ARPA acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and the continuing connection to lands, waters and communities. We pay our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to Taking Care, a podcast of APRA and the National Boards. I'm Tash Miles, and today we're talking about leadership, what it's like to be a leader and a health practitioner, what the journey to leadership might look like, and how to best lead other practitioners. We're curious about how training as a health practitioner might equip our guests to be better leaders, the similarities and the differences between clinical care and being the leader of a large health system. And we're lucky today to have two guests very well placed to speak to the lessons, challenges and rewards in health leadership. Jeff Moffat is a physiotherapist and the Chief Executive of the Western Australia Country Health Service, the largest country health service in Australia, which delivers hospital and community health services to more than half a million people. He's also a member of APRA's governing board, the Agency Management Committee. Professor Catherine Stoddart is a registered nurse and recently finished her role as a Chief Executive Officer for the Department of Health in the Northern Territory. Her four years there included leading the construction and delivery of a new hospital, expansion of specialist health services, transition to the NDIS, and most recently, the NT's frontline health response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Since February 2021, she's been the Deputy Director General of Governance Integrity of Reform for the WA Department of Communities. Welcome, Jeff and Catherine. Thanks, Tesh. Thank you. Let's start Kath, with you, could you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your journey to those two major positions as a leader? So I'm a registered nurse and I originally undertook um, hospital-based training and they did a Bachelor of Nursing and a couple of other qualifications afterwards. I've kind of bounced between clinical roles for the first part of my career into strategy policy. I moved back into a Executive Director of Nursing Role for WA Country Health, and that's actually where Jeff and I first met, and have been a Chief Nurse, so stayed in that professional line. And then in the UK, had the opportunity to be a Deputy Chief Executive in the NHS, along with then stepping into a leadership role as the Chief Executive in Northern Territory Health. So I've bounced, I think my family would say I'm a nurse through and through, despite all career changes. My heart and soul is probably in health. But the experience in broader areas just adds to that kind of mosaic of what you do in your career. Wonderful. And Jeff, could you tell us about your journey? I grew up in country Western Australia on a small family farm. So I've had a strong background in regional Western Australian regional life. And I um, undertook physiotherapy training back in the 80s and took my first job in Kununurra in the far north of WA as, as a solo physiotherapist at that time in the East Kimberley. I guess over time, I had about seven to 10 years of clinical practice and then moved into transition between some management, some clinical practice in the private sector uh, in Perth here, uh, and then uh, you know, made a plunge into sort of full-time allied health and then broader business and hospital management uh, over the subsequent uh, 20 to 30 years. Um, similar to Kath, I spent some time in the Northern Territory. So I grew up inside the country health system in WA in lots of ways, worked in multiple different regions, but ended up uh, taking the role uh, similar to Kath as the Director General of the NT Health between 2010 and 2014. And I've been back in WA since 2014 in this role as the CE for WA Country Health. So it seems longer than that, but that's the, that's the potted version, I guess, of, uh, of my journey so far. 
And Jeff, could you give us a, a little insight into what it is that you do? Like what, what might you do in a day? Who might you talk to? What issues are you facing? So, I mean, country health is, as, as you said in your introduction, it's a very large health system geographically um, that, that covers the north to the south of the state, everything but the metropolitan area, essentially. Uh, for, we have 70 hospitals. Uh, around 30 remote area nursing posts. Uh, we do a lot of aged care, around 500 residential aged care clients on any given day. A lot of population health, uh, public health, uh, and significant uh, mental health services as well. So we've got 10,000 staff and we've got a whole uh, series of demands in different environments, different contexts through the state. So my, my job is ultimately our report to a board, so it's to ensure that we have the right strategy in place, that um, we develop appropriate policy and also comply with policy that's set at the whole system at the whole of WA Health level, as well as importantly, ensure that uh, we deliver care 24 seven in a way that's uh, consistent with standards and uh, I guess anticipates demand. Uh, and that's, that involves a lot of work with uh, partners, with um, transport providers, with GPs, uh, Silver Chain, a whole pile of partners in delivering care across the state. So we don't operate alone, we operate with many other stakeholders. Uh, and my job largely is really to ensure that we have a really robust executive team, uh, good systems, uh, and that I work closely with our board and the director general in doing all of that. Kath, is this similar to your previous role when you were CEO of NT Health? The role, as Jeff describes it, is more like a director general. So you have both the, um, the Department of Health element as a system manager and then the health services so much smaller, of course, but um, Jeff was my forerunner in uh, the NT. They're similar because the issues are similar. We've had quite similar experiences, I think. And Jeff, could you cite a particular step or decision that you made um, from being a physio that kind of set you on the track for leadership? Uh, yeah, I guess there's a particular point where I took the plunge, if you like. Uh, I, I was in mixed private practice and mixed management uh, with an organisation called Life Care for a number of years. And I very much enjoyed exposure to patients and clinical practice and working with colleagues uh, at that time. I, I guess well, there were a couple of things. I mean, one, I was always interested in management. I came across my very first application for my job in Kununurra and I was surprised to see that I expressed an interest in management at that stage because I wouldn't have recalled being that interested in management way back then. but. Um, I clearly was because I'd written it into my application uh, and was and remained very interested at that time to get involved in you know, occupational safety and you know, budget management and those sorts of things. But I guess the big decision was really to apply for an allied health manager role in the far north of the state, in the Pilbara region, in Port Hedland. Uh, that was a very conscious decision and I knew that might be an inflection point for me that I may not get back to clinical practice. Uh, and as it turned out, I mean, that was very much the case. Uh, I really enjoy working in the public sector. I, I, I like regional health and Aboriginal health. The number of opportunities that come along, particularly in regional WA are extraordinary. And I've, I've really taken those opportunities, some things planned, some unplanned along the way. Uh, but really that decision to, to move from, a, a, I guess, a mixed clinical and management role into a full-time management role in regional WA uh, was that point. That was in 1995. And Kath, what about you? Is there a particular moment that you reflect on? I was a stomal therapist and clinical nurse specialist, which is very clinical, very at the interface with other clinicians. And, you know, 
you're kind of young and enthusiastic and you think you're at your top of your game clinically, you kind of match fit, for want of a better term. And then I moved into a, uh, a clinical nurse manager role, which took me slightly away. And I probably knew there was no going back once I wanted to lead a team. But then the really big change came for me when I stepped into a um, effectively a deputy director of nursing role. I think a bit like Jeff with his allied health manager role, once you actually take on the management responsibility and your time as a clinician is less, I mean, it, it, it is a pang. You have a, a real um, tension I think an individual tension and actually colleagues also create a tension because they kind of see you as stepping into a different world. But once you do it, there's kind of no going back unless you you have to consciously decide to go back because a trajectory starts. If you're reasonable at your job, that takes you away from the patient more and more. You said that there was a sense that you were, you were a match fit as a, as a nurse, successful at the clin- in the clinical role. How did you kind of take that and maybe you might have moved to a different position in the hierarchy when it came to management how did you reconcile that well probably not well actually uh, you know when you start because you're learning I mean I think there is something about getting some of the education and capability that you need you know managing your budget trying to work out what your FTE is I've had some absolute disasters where I was learning and you know you do and so and it's very hard to be good at something. What, what you perceive is you're doing well at something and then to be slightly incompetent. <laughs> and you have to ride that wave to learn it or you never step over it. But you have to build your capability, get yourself some mentors that can help you, that are honest with you when you're not doing so great and help you learn. Um, operational mentors as well as more strategic people who might help you with your career, for example. But... Um, to assume that you can take your technical skill in any clinical profession and immediately be expert at management and leadership, you may have some leadership capability, but to really understand the hygiene factors that go with uh, management, um, you know, you have to give yourself a bit of a break and learn that. Uh, you probably would agree, I think, Jeff, when you, you didn't necessarily know it all straight up. Yes. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, and I think, I mean, it's good to have a sense of intuition and value people because at the end of the day, we're in a people business, whether you're treating patients or whether you're working with staff. And I absolutely agree with Kath that uh, st- stepping into that first management role uh, full time, uh, the great thing about that for me, I suppose, was you were very close to your team, the people that reported to you and are part of the team that um, needed to address you know, issues, services, challenges over time so it's a very strong intuitive feel that it was that was a good thing to do obviously on the flip side uh, it's the first time you really start having to deal with some complaints or interpersonal conflicts at a professional level so there's a lot of learning about um, process uh, and and procedures to follow that you previously haven't really been exposed to as a frontline as as a a clinician but when you become a frontline manager Uh, and I remember being asked to do a there was a business case for a CT scanner for the Pilbara. Uh, I was asked to do a disability services plan for the Pilbara, which was a new piece of legislation which required us to have one. Now, I didn't have a clue about how to go about those processes, but um, yeah, the people are very generous when you ask um, people with experience as to how you start to approach something. So that was the other thing for me was there's a whole collegiate environment that gets enabled when you have challenges that seem insoluble or you don't have the knowledge or experience and you start asking you do you really form some fantastic you know some of them lifelong 
collegiate relationships in, in dealing with things that uh, you're not skilled to do at that point in time. I wonder when you think about, um, you know, you start your career thinking about the health of a person to then maybe thinking about the health of an organisation to a system, to a, to a state, it's all about um, taking care of people just maybe at a, at a different scale. Speaking of scale, I wonder, Kath, whether you could talk about anything, any substantial or particularly meaningful change that sticks out to you that you've been able to implement in your role as a, as a leader? There's probably one that Jeff and I did together. We were both at the beginning of WA Country Health Service in different roles. One of the great things about moving from a clinical role into a, a management role is you get to influence a whole organisation or a part of an organisation or a team and caring for the people that are caring for our public is what you want to do. And Jeff and I had the chance, we started the regional process of actually breaking the of pulling WA Country Health into seven regions. I don't know what you think, Jeff, but that was probably one of those really big learning, mid-career opportunities, challenges, and but it forged um, some great collegiate relationships and has stood, you know, it's modified, but it's actually stood the test of time, really, hasn't it, that, that whole program? And um, we did have many a time of kind of debriefing and trying to work out how else we could manage some of the our own colleagues, our clinical colleagues who didn't necessarily like the change or influence up the line for funding, for example. It was a, quite an interesting time. I don't know what you think about it, Jeff. Yeah, no, um, it certainly wasn't a walk in the park. So um, <laughs> the background was we, we had around over 50 different boards, um, decentralised boards across country WA. The government had taken a decision to make some system changes. One of them was the formation of a single country health service. So uh, that you know, that involved a lot of design work, um, a, a huge amount of change, initially administrative change around administrative and corporate systems, but inevitably a lot of clinical and program and service change so that we um, were much more measurable, accountable, had much better planning. Uh, and that, uh, so Kath was the first uh, executive director of nursing for Country WA. Uh, and that, that involved a, lo a lot of change, a lot of adjustment to a new paradigm for many people in our organisation. That, that was a very um, big um, program of change over five years, some of which was nicely planned through a change management process, but most, most of which was really in response to um, system pressures and, and system initiatives um, and priorities at the time. So, yeah, that was a, that was a very big, as you say, mid-career sort of learning process. And the reality is we've, we've ended up with a very robust organisation that, I think has done very well in terms of um, service delivery and, and support and recognition from the public and government as well. So, but that wasn't a short journey. That was a good 20 year journey. The whole organisation was learning together and that's energising. That's one of the things because you're, you're not quite making it up as you go along, but you're, you're testing ideas and, and challenging each other. And you've got some kind of old heads there that keep you steady. But um, that is one of the great joys of stepping into a management space where you can influence it. And when you're working on big projects or um, like this, are there any skills that you learnt as a young practitioner training that you're still using now? As a practitioner, you, you, you know, you're trained uh, and I guess inevitably you, you learn to develop empathy with your patients because clearly they uh, the vast majority of them are coming to you to relieve suffering or to strengthen their functional capacity. Uh, for some reason, they need treatment and guidance and support. So I think there's a very natural empathy that occurs between a practitioner and a patient because of the nature of the relationship. And I would say getting into um, 
management and then particularly executive executive leadership life, it's it's just so important to hang in the busyness and the pressure uh, and some of the more challenging issues you end up having to deal with at the top of the organisation in particular that you know, maintaining empathy is is absolutely critical I think to um, doing a good job but I guess also just being a, you know, an accepted and effective leader as well and and also for your own um, your own well-being the other thing I would say is probably um, being flexible um, and and agile as a I remember one of my first lessons as a physio I was you know, I was a typical sort of young male physio student when I've you know very focused often in those days on sort of one part of physio being outpatients and sports and much more spinal work. But my first job, as I said, was in Kununurra. And I do remember within the first week of me landing in Kununurra and undertaking my job being literally collared by the, um, the midwife, the senior midwife, uh, and uh, being advised as to how I was going to have to teach antenatal classes. And uh, it, was, it was a very unfamiliar and uncomfortable um, space for me. But I learned to be I learned to be agile very quickly because the reality was that's that's what was required in that in that setting. So, um, being you know being agile and being flexible and stay, staying as open minded as you can to what's required of you, uh, I learned that from the get go, and it was really what I had brought brought with me from farming life, to be quite frank. Um, that hopefully I retain to some extent to this day. That's true. I do think. Uh, you get into clinical roles or in health because it's purpose-filled. It's about patients or population health. So you do take that with you and you can talk to it. There is something that is also really useful, I think, and that's about credibility. It's not necessarily what profession you've been in, but being able to talk the language, the acronyms, walk on to a ward because you might be doing something or into a hospital or into an Aboriginal clinic and feel at home, I think that shows in who you are as a leader. You know, there's a comfort there. It's not that you have to be a clinician to be leading an organisation, but it does, I've, well, it's been helpful for me in that space. And I think also other clinicians understand that you at least have a bit of understanding of their context. Not everything, and you can't use it overly, but it does help. As a, as a practitioner, you're, you're clearly in a position of trust, you know, in terms of the information uh, that people provide you, um, and, and how much they trust you with your advice, and, and that your your sole objective is to care for them. And I think uh, it's it's very similar in management and executive life that you know what what you say and do really matters. You are in a significant position of trust. The challenges are much more complex and and broader, but I would say that's another similarity. You know, just really uh, appreciating the position of trust that you are placed in by. Uh, by your patients or uh, as, a, as a leader, uh, certainly by your staff and patients and communities as well. If you're enjoying this episode, you're sure to enjoy others we've released. For a perspective from a different place in the health practitioner journey, listen to our podcast called A Look Into Medical Training in Australia. For a taster, here is Dr. Hash Abdeen talking about how doctors and training and their programs are needing to adapt as the world changes around us. COVID-19 has really highlighted how innovative we need to be in healthcare, whether that be through technology, digital health, and I think training will need to focus on how to be adaptable as trainees in the environment that we're growing in. Listen to the full episode by searching for Taking Care in your podcast player. But first, let's get back to the rest of the conversation with Kath and Jeff. 
Kath, you, you mentioned being respected by other practitioners who, who might feel as though you understand their position because you've been a practitioner. Does it does ever the converse happen? Is there ever criticism because you've chosen a particular path? Yes. <laughs> it happened very early on, actually. There's a language that is about you've moved from the clinical space to the management space and you don't understand. I, I, I mean, that that's not unreasonable that people would see the two sides of the same coin. Managing that is probably hard at the very beginning because what happens is when you take on that first team, your colleagues that you've been clinically working with, you have to lead, you have to decide, you know, at a very base level you're deciding their roster or you're deciding who has annual leave or whether they get a promotion and all those things. And particularly in small communities, if if you're in the country, they're a skill set you have to learn over time about how to manage that because I think I probably felt it the hardest in those those early years. Did you have that experience, Jeff? Yeah, um, moving from from a self identification perspective as well, moving from identifying as a physiotherapist to becoming a manager of allied health. An important part of that was demonstrating no sort of bias or um, preference towards physiotherapy, for example, which was one of the areas that I had to manage and that that was I guess that was an interesting thing that, that I needed to let go of my professional identity in lots of ways uh, and that's that's happened a very long time ago for me um, but that was an interesting sort of uh, paradigm that I, I didn't anticipate when I when I first arrived in that in that management job I think I mean being a clinician by background I think is is helpful for all the reasons that Kath said you know understanding uh, the language um, the, the cultural issues it's you know being a clinician is absolutely an advantage having said all that it, you know there are there's territory that comes with it health can be a bit tribal sometimes and um you know it's uh, I, I don't identify as a, as a clinician solely anymore i mean i guess i'm i'd say i'm a health professional and, a, and an executive not not necessarily a, a physiotherapist if you like in your roles as leaders have obviously got a lot going on and sometimes we know that health practitioners can prioritize the health of others over their own um it's obviously really important jeff you spoke about um mental well-being and your health are there things that you um do to take care of yourselves in your roles as executives (laughs) not enough like most would say this is bizarre but i actually study for, for a hobby so um i it's meditation for me um, and so not everyone, but that's my, that's the way that I relax, which I, I understand is not everybody's calling. <laughs> Sounds wonderful, though. Jeff? I think study would be the least relaxing form of therapy for me. <laughs> I never said I passed. I guess it's the day-to-day um, thing about being mindful of how you're travelling and uh you know, recognizing the own signs of when you you are feeling stress or um, you're not you're not processing or responding in a way that you would expect yourself to. So I, I think being very very mindful and self aware is part of it, and trying to practice those habits. Having you know, having really good collegiate relationships, you know, reaching out when you've got a concern or you're unsure about something. Because um, as I say, people are exceptionally generous with their time and their thoughts. If you if you ask, you know, if you if you really um, want to talk through an issue or, or um, seek some advice about something. Um, I guess more broadly, I mean, I've, I've got a very sort of busy life. I've still got three young kids at school and, um, you know, I love spending time with them now. So I'm, I don't really have a social life to speak of at all anymore, <laughs> apart from you know, spending time with my kids and, um, 
our new pup and uh, just getting out to the park playing footy. Uh, so that I find all that really therapeutic to actually ground me each and every night when I come home uh, in the job. Uh, and then finally for me, I guess, just having a bit of a selfish passion. I love you know, barramundi fishing in the north. That's one of the legacies of going north early. So uh, at least once a year I'll sneak off with a group of friends, go fishing and uh, really enjoy the natural environment um, of, you know, of the north, the Kimberley and the, and the Pilbara and the Territory at times in particular. So, so it's a balance of things, but it's yeah, trying to trying to um, recognise and, and deal with stress both yourself and within your executive team is a very important part of your job. Yeah. I mean, it feels like the the theme of this conversation has been about balance. It's been about learning things from different areas and having your fingers in a lot of different pies, but they all kind of hold each other up, I guess. We talk about careers and and this and it seems like both of you have had ones which have kind of morphed um as they've gone along um but yeah what what would you like people to think of when they think of Kath it's interesting well I still resonate with being a nurse quite a lot but more importantly for me now at this stage of my career I'd like to think that the legacy I leave is the next generation of health professionals in the broader sense uh, that really are thriving and are capable because there is so many amazing people that are just next layer down I'm not quite confident to take the step Jeff gave me the opportunity to mentor some of his team he has a wonderful leadership program that um, for wax staff and one of those uh, leaders has gone on to be an executive director in another state uh, that I was a mentor for and I, that was probably as satisfying as anything that's happened I think so that's probably the legacy I, I would like to leave and and just while we're on that do you have any advice for people listening who might be considering going in a more management leadership direction? Take a risk, have a go. Uh, A safe way to start is actually to do a project because even in the clinical space, there will be a project, a new initiative, a business improvement. And I think you you get the, the nub of some of your skills. So how to have a stakeholder group, how to run a meeting, how to work out a budget, all those things. Put your hand up for a project because you will... One, you can test if you like it. And secondly, you'll build that first suite of skills that you're going to need in more broader management roles. There are so many opportunities, whether it's a project or um, an acting arrangement. Uh, they seek out opportunities to get into various management roles and um, see what presses your bells. I mean, the, obviously, the big one for me is if you can be prepared to be geographically mobile, uh, get, get out, um, displace yourself. Uh, be, make yourself a bit uncomfortable in terms of what you go and what you want to challenge is such personal and professional growth available by by doing that and knowing that there will be colleagues um, and people that you don't even know at the moment that will support you if you simply ask. And Jeff you've had longer to think about the legacy question so <laughs> what would you like yours to be? I find the legacy question an interesting one sometimes because I, I, I really don't think you know, achievements over the time of the sole province of an individual really it's um so much of what we do especially the more senior you get so much of you do relies on your team and teams below them but having said that I mean, if it was if it was you know thinking of me personally like i just i just like to think that people recognize a strong commitment to regional services investment you know, health services investment improvement over over time that's really been my my life dedication has been in, in health i love regional uh, WA and Australia more generally. Um, 
Uh, I think it, it's, it's amazingly diverse. Uh, it is underinvested in generally. Uh, there is a great opportunity around you know, digital investment now and you know, bridging the digital divide and access to care by having metropolitan services be more flexible and, and use digital means to um, connect services in a way that's that's real time and, and very relevant. So I'd like to, I'd like to be remembered for you know having a career dedicated to that and particularly to trying to make make my difference or a difference in Aboriginal health because that's a very um, challenging um, part of what we do. We've made some good progress over a couple of decades. In some areas, we haven't we haven't made enough either. So there's much more to do. Kath, what do you see as important for? future and current leaders in our health system to be doing, to be thinking about, to be acting on right now for positive change? A move towards patient experience as a measure of um, the experience of healthcare rather than the clinical outcome alone, which goes to all the things like voluntary assisted dying and people having choice, and it goes to whether or not um, a person in a community makes a decision not to access healthcare or having culturally appropriate care when they finally make it to it, one of our services. All of those things, um, we grew, well, I grew up with the clinical outcome. You know, I, I, I tend to think that probably the patient experience, you should be grateful for what you get, <laughs> was, was somewhere in the back of my head at that time in the olden days. Um, and, uh, and actually there's so much evidence around staff satisfaction and um patient satisfaction being intrinsically linked. It makes sense, really important for our future. Kath, on the head there, that, that point around us um, standing in the shoes of our, of our clients and our families, uh, uh, both in terms of empathy, but most importantly around their experience, I think is a really important way for us to continue to reform and improve uh, and modernise healthcare. Uh, that's uh, and there's lots of mechanisms now um, running in different systems, including in country health, that give you a window into that experience and give you some sense of measurement uh, and start to shift our culture to much more towards um, patient experience uh, rather than just outcomes. I think it's about being balanced because if a patient believes they had a poor experience, then then they had a poor experience. And it's a matter of us trying to work through that with them and, and, and learn from that as a system. Thank you, Jeff and Kat, for a... Uh wonderful conversation full of your reflections stories lessons that you've learned and talking about the the spot on the venn diagram where clinical care as a health practitioner intersects with being a leader and how that melts and and you learned either way <laughs> thanks tash it's great to have the opportunity to talk about it all yep thank you tash thanks Kath, as well it's a great conversation and thank you for listening to Taking Care. Um, don't forget to subscribe so you get all of our future episodes. And in the meantime, you can check our back catalogue by searching for Taking Care in your podcast player. Got a question or some feedback? Email us at communications at Until next time, see you later.